I'm Dan Larkin, and this is Cannabis Conversations from CannabisIRL.com. Cannabis in real life. Real people, real stories, real life. So Fiona, tell me about your first experience with cannabis. Was it in high school? Was it uh, as an adult? Well, uh, my first experience with cannabis was not good. My, um, I was a teenager, probably about 15 or 16, and my um, girlfriend had gotten a joint from a friend of hers, and we smoked it, and I felt very funny. I looked at myself in the mirror, and I saw multiple of myself, and it scared me. So I was so against using cannabis, and my, my kids as teenagers were experimenting with it, and I was yelling at them, so I was so against it because of what it, the experience that I had. So I, I was so sick that I didn't realize or you know, understand what cannabis really was until after my journey started. Uh, let's talk about your journey. Where did it start? Tell me a little bit about what you're dealing with. I am 47 years old and I've been a hair, I was a hairstylist for 20 years. I was getting ready for work in well, mid-2007, um, my back started hurting when I was working, and I thought it was just because I'm tall and I'm bending over, you know, cutting hair, and then it started getting worse to the point where I was having trouble walking even to my clients. After I'd do a haircut, the pain was so bad that I was having trouble even finishing my day. So I, I started to, you know, have to take Tylenol, ibuprofen, and then things just kept getting worse. I was getting ready for work one day, this was a few months later, we were into like November of 2007, and I was getting ready for work and I was just pulling my pants up and my back popped. And the pain was so bad that I had to grab onto the sink and I couldn't even move. And that point on, I ended up going to the hospital and my journey started with all of my surgeries. And my first surgery was March of 2008. And I had to have, um, uh, I had a deformity in my low spine that had to be corrected and they found that I have severe um, degenerative disc disease and joint disease. So I had to have a deformity corrected and a fusion done. And unfortunately during that surgery, my ureter was cut and I was almost, um, I almost died during that surgery because I was put in a nursing home for two weeks here in Minnesota. and. Um, I was sent to the hospital two weeks later and they did surgery to stent the ureter and I was allergic to the anesthesia and I almost died from the anesthesia. And so you, you had really a number of things <laughs> yes. go bad all at once. Yes, uh, that was my first back surgery and from there I still wasn't recovering because um, I was still having problems and they found that I have with the joint disease, I had my SI joints that needed to be fused. The SI joint is the joint that is between the hip and the spine. It's where your sacroiliac nerve runs along. And um, so it's kind of a, a very important part of your hip. And um, I, my SI joint on, this, on my left side, it has a cage which holds the joint together so it cannot freely move. My right side has not been fused yet, and so it freely moves, so the joint is just like an open, they call it a vacuum space, and so it just kind of freely moves, and it's extremely painful. When I go up and down the stairs, it, it's even more painful, so I... Right. So, you, so you have a number of 
conditions mm -hmm. uh, that are uh, either genetic or uh, are, are worsening with age. Yes. And all of them causing you pain. Yes. I've developed arthritis from all the um, fusions that I have had. Um, I'm not able to have any more fusions done because they, most of them have not been even successful to help with the pain. I just had, I was just in the hospital less than two months ago in Florida. Two of my discs in my thoracic spine have collapsed. And back in 2013, they were going to do, talk about doing surgery. And this is when my journey started, um, talking about what I was going to do next. Okay. And they wanted to do burning of the nerve endings in my spine. And I had to think about that because um, I didn't want to be a guinea pig anymore. And so I waited a couple years and I continued to do therapy. And in 2015, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law came from Michigan. I had no idea they were coming here. Um, they're cannabis growers in Michigan for patients. and. They came here and came to our home, and I was on my way to go to the doctors to talk to them again about burning the nerve endings in my spine to help with the pain. And, and this is in Minnesota, mm -hmm. you were living at the time, mm -hmm. so your relatives from Michigan came mm -hmm. to see you. And then yes. what happened? I, I actually was getting ready for the appointment, and they, um, they had shown up at my house. They were outside talking to my husband, and I opened the door because I was ready to go out to my husband to get in the car and I opened the door and my sister-in-law was standing there and she looked at me and she had no idea how bad I was because my husband really didn't tell my family about how bad I was and she looked at me and started crying because at this time I was on a platform walker, not a regular walker, I was on a platform walker because of my hands and having to have more surgery and I was up like this and I was walking towards her and she looked at me and started crying and she said, I'm gonna take you to the doctor. So she brought me to the doctor and to the pain clinic at Health Partners and we talked to them about what was next and they explained the procedure to her and it was three different procedures. Two of them I would have no sedation whatsoever. They would just put the needles into my back and there was no guarantee that it was going to work. The third procedure, if the first two procedures were semi-successful, they would do the third procedure to burn the nerve endings, and that one I would have some sedation. But they had to keep me awake enough so that I would feel what they were doing. And that scared me. Sure, it scare anyone, right? <laughs> so um, anything to do with your spine controls your whole body. Okay. And, you know, if, if something happens with your back, it can, you can't function. So... The thought of them going in and burning something in my spine just really was scary for me. Okay. And so my sister-in-law said, are you sure you want to do this? I said, no. So we left and we got in the car and I was so sick and in so much pain that I felt like I was going to pass out. My face was white. I was sweating. I was hanging out her window and she pulled over and she pulled out a joint and she said, I need you to trust me right now you need to trust me and she let the joint and I hit it twice and I I had to think about how I felt because I had not smoked since that one time and it I started to sit up and I started to feel better and I hadn't had any pain medication that day because I was supposed to get my pain medication from the doctor but I didn't he I couldn't even sit and wait for my medication because I was in so much pain so she said, you look better. 
you look like you're feeling better. You're not sweating. Your face is co your color is coming back to your face. Try try a couple more hits. So I did, and of course I had to think a little more because I've never you know felt like that in so long. I felt at least 50% better trying the cannabis in just four hits of that joint than I felt in all those years of being on those narcotics and all those medications I've been taking. What did that mean to you? In two days I was uh, going to Michigan, to our home in Michigan, and I was there for six months. And I started seeing going to therapy in, at the U of M. I became a patient in Michigan, my medical cannabis doctor in Michigan told me that within a year I would be off of at least half of my medications that I was on. And I'm proud to say within two years, I got off of 15 to 20 medications. Wow. So you found relief through cannabis, thanks to relatives mm -hmm. and a medical card in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Then where did your journey take you? Um, I, brought, I came back to Minnesota to be back with my family as we have family in Michigan and a home in Michigan, my family back here in, in Minnesota. Being away from my family was very difficult. Being away from my kids, my kids were young because I was in my 30s then, and being away from my husband. So not being able to be a mother or a wife was very difficult. And um, not, too, not too long after coming back, my husband passed away. And so then I had to start another journey of trying to get my life together, being sick and um, trying to find my life without my husband. And then six months later, I lost my mother, who has the same disability that I do. Not a, but she was on narcotics and several other medications that I wish that I could have helped her not be on. And my father also passed away about 14 years ago and he died from lung cancer. And he also had Alzheimer's and diabetes. And I, what I know now about cannabis, I know that I could have helped him at least prolong his life and had him have a better quality of life. And that's why I'm speaking out and doing what I'm doing because I'm having a better quality of life. And I wish that I could have done that for my parents or even for my husband, because he was also a diabetic patient. What happened to my husband was his heart valve collapsed. I don't know if I could have done anything with that, but I know I could have helped him with his diabetes, I'm sure. My journey has been nothing but incredible. Let's talk about uh, the stigma attached to cannabis use, whether it be medical or recreational. You were stigmatized uh, growing up and you had a negative uh, experience the first time you tried it. And then fast forward to now, you're a regular uh, medical cannabis patient and mm -hmm. user. Um, do you still feel that stigma? Do you I still do. face it? I do. Every Tell day. Me about that. Every day. Um, whether it's um, someone in public or if it's a doctor or pretty much anyone could be either they could be anti cannabis or they can be your best friend and talk to you for hours and understand what you're going through. Um, I find that if someone wants to listen to me, I will spend all the time in the world with you and talk to you because my journey has been incredible. What, what about those people who maybe are watching this and saying, oh, I don't buy any of these people. They all just want to get high. I, am, I can tell you that um, 
that is certainly not the case. It is a medication and I am functioning on a regular basis. I have to medicate on a regular basis and I am functioning better than, I'm fun than I functioned on those medications. I was in bed for five years. I don't even remember half of my life. I don't, my kids tell me things that I don't even remember. And that is very, very hard. My best friend doesn't, I don't even remember half the things that my best friend tells me that happened. That's very heartbreaking to me. And now I don't even, I ask them questions about things that I remember, flashbacks, and they say, yeah, that happened. And I, I, I can't take that back. I can just move on from here and be, you know, the person that I am now. At least I'm bright-eyed and, and I'm alive and I don't have to worry about overdosing or, you know, any bad side effects. Because I was just in the hospital and I was back on morphine and my heart rate dropped into the 40s and they had me on cardiac monitors and they told me, they were coming into my room and telling me, are you, or asking me, are you okay? And I said, am I okay? I'm on the monitor. You tell me, am I okay? They said, your heart rate just dropped into the 40s. I said, well, good thing I'm on the monitor and I'm on oxygen because otherwise I could be unconscious and you wouldn't even know anything. So the big difference is cannabis. Yes. And it, I, that's all I, I mean, <laughs> it's incredible. There's no other word for it. You've now been a medical cannabis patient for in, four years in Michigan, in Michigan, Minnesota, Minnesota, and now, Florida. and now in Florida where you mm -hmm. live. Um, why Florida? I'm originally from California and um, my mother always took us to the ocean in Malibu. We would drive through the mountains and that was a memory as a child that I will remember forever. And I never thought I'd get back to the ocean. So moving, my parents moved to Daytona Beach for five years and unfortunately their health just kept getting worse. So I had to travel there a lot to help take care of them when my kids were little and before I got worse. And I traveled back to Florida just to see if I could be there because of my bad experience of being there when my parents were ill. But moving back, being there and being at the ocean just reminded me of my mom and my dad. And my husband and I actually traveled there as well. And I felt like it was my home. And now living there, I feel peace. That's great. That's <laughs> I great. don't know. I'm going to ask you uh, to fill out uh, the blank. Okay, so you'll repeat what I say and then okay. fill in the blank, all right? I wish people knew. I wish people knew. I wish people knew that cannabis was not such a threat to society and they weren't so scared of it and they weren't so scared of us as cannabis patients <laughs> because um, especially doctors and hospitals and um, they find us as a threat for some reason. I can't believe. I can't believe that I'm sitting here in front of you telling you about my journey and that I'm not laying in that bed and not able to function because I was on all those medications from um, the pharmaceutical department that put me on narcotics and, you know, muscle relaxers and anxiety medications and Valium and 
Um, I can go on and on with all the medications that I was on, but I'm very thankful to be off of those. Maybe someday. Maybe someday I, um, I'm going to be able to grow my own strand and name it after my husband. And it's going to be a strand that's going to be designed for my own body because everybody absorbs cannabis differently and everybody needs their medication differently. That's why they can't prescribe it and put a label on it that says take this amount, you know, prescribe one pill per day or um, the doctors were looking at my bottle of tincture and saying, well, there's no dosage instructions on here. I said, that's because every patient is, it's designed for each individual. Your body metabolizes it per person. So you can't, you can't dose it any differently. You know, if I take my medication per myself as you would for your own self if you were to use cannabis. My name is Fiona Sebastiano. I'm a mother, a wife, and a cannabis patient. My words of advice for anyone that is open to cannabis is please have an open mind, do your research, ask questions, talk to other cannabis patients. Um, all of my education that I've gotten is all on my own. I've done so much research and it's just phenomenal what I've learned. And educating yourself is key to learn for your own health. Cannabis Conversations from Cannabis in Real Life. Learn more at CannabisIRL.com. Cannabis in Real Life. Real people, real stories, real life.